We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Ace is a place with the helpful hardware, folks. At Ace, your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free, only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores. Welcome to the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast. This is the last Thursday episode of the 2016 season. This is it. This is the finale. Sad. I, it's very sad. I asked you to bring Ham's Tall Boys in. You didn't. I didn't. Um, went I to tried. Find you. Uh, there's security clearance issues. What? I mean, in around. I mean, that's basically like the equivalent of trying to bring like a bomb or a gun into a building. No. That type of thing. No. You bring you bring some you bring a case of hams into an airport. You're getting tackled within 15 seconds. Yeah, you will at an airport. This isn't we don't work at an airport. This is a high security area. The door was locked when I came into the office on Saturday. First time maybe ever. 
two tall boys. That's all I asked for, and you let well, me down. That's what I told you. Like, I'm not just going to drink one hams. Like, you don't... You don't, not, that's you know, not the experience. Well, what is, is it like Lay's that had that like we dare you to eat just one? Like it's like that with hams, where it's like oh I'll have just one. You know, cut to three hours later, you're like going back to get another twelve pack. It doesn't work like that. Like if you, it's either you don't have it at all or you have a bunch. All right, I guess that's the you way. Have to it's take done. my word for it. I'm gonna have to. I'm not gonna partake in twelve hams ever. It's it's just not gonna happen. Uh, busy week, of course, with the championship week being uh, held for many leagues out there, so good luck to those playing for titles. Uh, it begins with tonight's matchup between the Giants and the Eagles, and I know one Chris Liss is very nervous that his Giants are going to choke. They are one-and-a-half-point road favorites. In Philadelphia, the Eagles have been much better at home, where they're 4-2 and two than they have been on the road this season. I think they've got one win overall on the road. Do you buy into the Eagles as a team that's good enough to deal with the Giants' pass rush and to run the ball and to actually put up points against the Giants? I think they'll hang in the game. Um, you know, this is a division matchup, teams that you know are familiar with each other. I think it's not going to be a blowout, but I think the Giants do go into Philadelphia and win, uh, maybe not easily, uh, maybe not by more than a touchdown, but, but I think they'll get it done. I mean, are we, are we finally ready to accept that the Giants are at least like kind of good? No, because Eli no. Manning sucks and Ben McAdoo <laughs> fell off the Mike McCarthy coaching tree. Okay, that's those are two pretty strong points. Those are good. Those are good reasons, yeah. right? No, I'm not going to argue with that. I like the Giants' defense. I think they have a, a Super Bowl caliber defense. They have a passable at best quarterback and a subpar head coach. I think that's a recipe. Two-time for, Super Bowl winning quarterback. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, a rising tide lifts all boats, so it's what it is. But I, I actually think the Giants are better than the Eagles, and they will win this game. Uh, and keep some of the pressure on the Cowboys, but I don't look at the Giants as a team that wins more than one playoff game this year with their current construct. Let's talk Dolphins and Bills. No weather concerns really in this one, at least as far as like a a snowstorm anyway. It might be windy and rainy, but it's not going to be completely awful. Uh, Dolphins are three-and-a-half-point underdogs in this one, and it's kind of surprising to me because they seem like they are the better team. Matt Moore. I guess that's the whole reason, but the lack of quality, healthy pass catchers for the Bills. I know Sammy Watkins has been playing 40-plus snaps, three consecutive games. He had one catch last week against the Browns. I mean, do you expect Sammy Watkins to be useful as a third receiver this week for owners who need him? I mean, it's still the same conversation that we've had with him the last few weeks, right? It's that I think he's healthy enough. Like that doesn't seem to be an issue. But do you like? Obviously, you're not starting him, or you're not comfortable starting him. I guess as your one or your two. If and if you're you know in a fantasy final, you know this week you probably didn't get there this far by riding Sammy Sammy Watkins coattails. Uh, but it comes down to like, okay, do you want Sammy Watkins as your number three or as your flex or you know I'm trying to think, you know like a Sterling Shepard type of guy? Like you know I think. Watkins still has the upside, but his floor is about as low as it gets for someone who's as talented as he is. Right. He's got the foot injury, still not going through full practices every day. So you could just see the Bills backing off him, given the long-term implications of trying to ensure that his injury doesn't get worse. Uh, I'd like the Dolphins to come away outright, so I'll take them getting the three and a half on the road. I think the the money is split 50-50 or close to 50-50 based on the the screen I'm looking at right now. So it, it is kind of a toss-up with the three-and-a-half. Maybe you put this game on a neutral field and it is a complete pick uh, Let's move on to the Falcons and Panthers. Falcons, as we talked about before, they have been 
the most generous defense to opposing quarterbacks from a fantasy points per game standpoint this season. It's a great spot for Cam. The shootout is expected. 52 is your over-under. Panthers are only two-and-a-half-point dogs at home to an Atlanta team that looks like legitimately one of the better teams in the NFC. Yeah, that is a bit of a surprising line. Um, although, you know, it's been the same story with Carolina. I, you know, a couple times they just haven't showed up, you know, this season. Um, and one of those times was against Atlanta, you know, back in, in week four when they were blown out uh, on the road. But, you know, then they have these games where, you know, they beat San Diego and Washington each of the last two weeks. The defense has looked better, uh, you know, allowing a combined 31 points in those two games. So Carolina is still a dangerous team. Like we, we've talked about it all year. It's like they're kind of like Arizona to me, where it's like the record doesn't look good. You know, there's times where they look like a just terrible, discombobulated team. But there's also times that kind of remind you, you know, why they were so good last year and why we expected them to be so good in 2016. Yeah, there are times where the Panthers need to go through the recombobulation area mm-hmm. at the uh, General Mitchell Milwaukee Airport. You familiar with this? No, um, I'm not actually. I think I've only flown out of Milwaukee a couple times. Usually a Chicago guy or a Madison guy. Oh, yeah, you're loyal, loyal to the Chicago airport. Yeah, yeah you know me, frequent flyer. Uh, yes. Well, in Milwaukee, after you go through security, there's a, a sign hanging from the ceiling, and it says recombobulation area, where there's kind of uh, a couple benches and some tables that you can put your, your suitcase on in case. So kind of like know, collect yourself? You get to recombobulate yourself. I think it's the only one in the entire world. I don't think there's any other recombobulation area anywhere else in the world. And it made me think, like, what is supposed to happen to us at security? How, how frazzled... Are well, we I think it's to more like here, you know, don't sit here and like put your shoes back on, put your belt back on while you're in line. Right. You know? Don't don't like, just clog get, the line. Like, all that get stuff out of out here of and tray. put yourself back yeah. together away from the line. Right. Which is a good idea. I don't know how many people adhere to that. But right. Yeah. Reason, I usually just try to run through security as fast as I can. They did. They did that for the the league, right? One of the season openers. They for the first pick in the draft, they decided whoever got through security first at the airport could have the first pick. So they were all just messing with each other. Like somebody put, I don't know, something ticking in Andre's bag or something. You know, just all sorts of uh, classic hijinks. Yeah, just that's that's a that's always funny. <laughs> air, airport fake jokes. bomb at, at the airport. That, like, always hilarious. Clowning your friends with yep. with fake bombs at the airport is just uh, to gas. I, I flew out of Madison uh, like a year and a half ago, I think, and. They, you know, I was like the random person they selected to check for like bomb residue. You're you know, the only just, person there, probably. They was like, no. "Oh, we got to do this to somebody," and you're the only well, person flying much, yeah. out of this I, airport. I, today. Was I being, you know, was I being profiled? Maybe I don't know. Was it, a, was it a race thing? I don't know. Who's to say? Uh, but they pulled me aside and they're like, "All right, we need to test you for bomb residue." And I was like, you know, I was kind of in a hurry at that point. I was like, "What if?" I, I mean, I guys, I swear I don't have a bomb on me. And the, the guy just looked at me like just stone face, like. Don't you ever say that. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, come on. I'm just trying to lighten the mood a little bit. He's like, don't even say that word. Like, if you're in an airport, don't say the word bomb. I'm like, okay, all right. Well, yeah, do I really look like someone who is here to, to cause trouble with my – I think I was carrying an NBA-branded duffel bag that I've had since, like, sixth grade. Maybe that's why you look so suspicious. Like, you this guy's not in the NBA. You had a 12-year-old duffel bag that yeah. you were hauling around. Yeah, that's the thing. I guess a duffel bag in itself is just kind of suspicious. A children's – Late '90s, early 2000s duffel bag as it's luggage it's will full size. Oh, it's a, it's it's an adult just bag an NBA received logo as a child. Yeah, and that that following Christmas, I think I got legit luggage from my parents, which is something that most people get when they're in like eighth grade. You know, my parents were just a little bit late on that. I think it's good to learn 
a lesson about travel yourself at some point right. in your life. Like I went to the airport. I was flying back from Miami, my cousin's wedding, and I, like a complete just clown, I mean, there's no, no other way to describe it in hindsight. I went to the airport wearing my swim trunks. I don't know why. I don't know if I was out of pants and shorts, and I was like, "Well, it's my last clean pair of shorts, so I'm gonna wear these." Mm. So I, I just had a white t-shirt and swim trunks on as I went through security, and they, as soon as I stepped into the line, they're like, "Sir, <laughs> come on over here. You're, you're going through the extra screening." What's going on, man? <laughs> yeah, I, I was college age kid at the time, and I just like, "What am I? What am I doing with my life? Like, yeah. why am I?" Why am I doing this? But mm-hmm. the best security story I know of actually happened at Disney. My parents went to Disney together. No kids. They didn't, they didn't bring any of the kids because we're all... Kind of an odd place to go without kids. They don't have grandkids, and I think they're at the point where they're like, well, if we don't go to Disney now, we're not going to see all of Disney in the next Who few years. Who wants to go to Disney? My parents had been trying to get my sister and I to go to Disney for years. And like her and I, even in like middle school, were like, no, we don't want to go there. Like Even my sister is like a third grader. was like, no, I'm too old for this. <laughs> Your parents and my parents just go to Disney together and yeah, hang sure. out because they, they just want to be there so badly. Yeah, put them in touch. So my dad, my dad's got a, a bit of a kegerator for, for a gut. We do not have the same physique. He's Hopefully, not as ripped as you? Not as ripped as I am. He's, he's, got this, uh, he's, he's got the beer belly going, and he's standing in line waiting to get into the park, like Epcot or something. And all of a sudden, a security person comes up. And at Disney, they, they, they put a nice spin on it. They say... Sir, you've been selected to be part of Goofy's special family. And my dad, he's like, oh, great. That sounds Somebody, good. Roll up in like a pedophile van? <laughs> no, they, they just walked Rolled up to him, you know. Goofy's special family? Goofy's Ugh. special family. And my dad was excited. He thought he'd won some kind of prize. And the, the employee led him over to the other security area. And they had to pat him down extra to make sure he wasn't like hiding something under his shirt. So kind of a, a disappointing moment for the uh the van riper family mm-hmm. but that's that's what goofy's special family is at disney if you're that's in line. a real look yourself in the mirror moment when <laughs> you must be hiding something like no that's just my body i just i just like how he thought it was like a good thing when it started yeah and uh that's a tough break he, hmm. he wasn't as excited about it after experiencing the extra security yeah, after being profiled him. yeah it didn't didn't happen that Fat way shaming uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna take the falcons minus two and a half i'd Carolina, they showed up against Washington, but Washington just, they were terrible. They, they were really they bad. They were awful they were in that game. Uh, I think this will be a nice, fun shootout to watch, though, as part of the Saturday slate of games. Uh, Redskins on the road taking on the Bears. I think they're going to bounce back. The Bears, people are going to be overly hyped about what they did against the Packers, like making that game close. But if Devontae Adams <laughs> the doesn't drop. The Bears is out of control. Reckless hype right now. And, and again, because Washington looks so bad Monday night, it's going to be one of those things where everyone's going to adjust both teams mm-hmm. too much. I'll give them the three with Washington. I think they yeah. keep their very slim playoff hopes alive and win this game by more than three. I think they win by right. a TD. If Devontae Adams catches one of those two touchdowns, the Bears are dead in the water and nobody, you know, the perception of them I think is quite a bit different. Yeah, if he pulls in both. I mean, and it, James Anderson made a point. We were talking on the XM show about Adams and his value. And it, it's one of those things where those catches look really easy on TV because Rodgers put the ball right in his hands perfectly, but it was 10 degrees, and the ball is mm-hmm. thrown like on a dime. It's not actually an easy play to make, even though he should be able to make it, at right. least one of the two. But anyway, yeah. it's just one of those goofy things. That game's out of reach if Adams pulls in mm-hmm. uh, those TDs. Uh, Jordan Howard, I think, is fine, though, in this matchup. No concerns there. Getting a lot of questions about Cameron Meredith this week and whether you should play him 
over an assortment of number three receivers. You know, it's Cameron Meredith versus Doug Baldwin, even who's I think kind of matchup proof in PPR, but he does get Patrick Peterson uh, this week. So with Cameron Meredith, it's like there are three options right now. It's Elshon Jeffrey, Deontay Thompson, and Meredith. I'm not worried about Josh Norman taking away any one of those three guys. I don't think like two pickups. Well, they've been weird about like matching him up exclusively on one guy anyway. Yeah, I, I just I don't really I don't look at that as something that would lead my decision making towards Meredith over someone else who I ordinarily would play. I mean, no. I, I would rather I'd, I'd rather play. I think I'd rather play Travis Benjamin against the Browns than Cameron Meredith against the Redskins. Travis Benjamin revenge game. That's exactly exactly Travis what I Revengeman. Revengeman. I like that. Chargers are six point favorites. Heavy survivor pick for those who are still going in week sixteen. If your survivor pool goes to week sixteen, yeah, you're you, a psycho. You should probably and come cheating. Probably come right for us, uh, assuming you don't have like multiple rebuys or something. So Chargers are favored by six. Robert Griffin starting again. Chargers have nothing to play for. Browns have actually a lot to play for because they can get the number one pick if they continue to lose. Probably the reason why they're using Robert Griffin in the first place. Well, if RG3 gets a win for the Browns, would that be a bigger achievement than winning the Heisman? Yeah, probably. They should put up, you know, that big LeBron witness banner. You think? There need to be like there needs to be like an RG3. Dig that out of the out of the crawl yeah. space. Yeah, kind of like or or maybe like that that kind of still of Josh McCown helicoptering across the goal line. Did he make it across the goal line? No, I he, believe he, he fumbled. He fell a little short. Yeah, like he, he, he fumbled. He got concussed and, and fumbled. Almost died. Yeah. Yeah, he blacked out on the field. Yeah, yeah that was that was quite a moment. Um, it was not good. Well, I was telling I was telling Mario like I, I think the the Browns finally had their moment, their zero sixteen moment with the flea flicker a couple weeks ago. Like we had talked about, like the Lions had a couple of those moments when they were zero sixteen. Of course, the the the, the play, the, the Orlovsky safety. Um, and then the Browns had kind of avoided that until the flea flicker, but, you know, fl- tossing the ball back into your own end zone, throwing into triple coverage, having it picked off. That's something that only 0-16 teams do. Yeah, like a, like a real clown, I'm going to go ahead and take the Chargers, giving up six. I yeah, think Rivers that seems can fair. carve up that secondary. This is it for the Browns. Like, they're not beating, they're going to Pittsburgh next week. No, so. they're not winning that one. This is their last chance. And the thing about it, too, with the Chargers, they've got two good tight ends. The Browns are horrible at covering tight ends. Right. So, matchup wise, I think you could see Gates and Henry do a lot. I like Benjamin a little bit this week, especially in GPPs. I like yeah. them more in DFS. Well, how are, how are the Chargers at defending flea flickers? I checked, like, Rotowire doesn't have defense versus flea flicker stats. Well, you have to ask some people about that in tech, see if they can pull yeah. in that. I'll have to feed. talk to Rob. Um, you know, the flea flicker thing, yeah, that, that's that's the variable that I really hadn't accounted for. I mean, James and I, even in the offseason, were kind of, we were pushing the flea flicker raid off it, like run it every play. You really got to play a Tecmo Super Bowl. They play, they, they, it's in there. It's like the Reed flea flicker. You know, you can kind of, you can run it, you can pass it, you can whip it downfield. Right. Well, you should probably coach high school football and just make that I should. I've been thinking signature. that for a while. I've got some ideas. <laughs> you got some good ideas? <laughs> the innovative flea flicker raid offense, yeah. Do you like anybody on the Cleveland side at all? I mean, Pryor's got the This Terrell injury. Pryor stuff is weird, right? Like, all these people just coming out of the woodwork saying they hate Terrell Pryor. Like, I read, like, somebody, like, the Niners, like, had some former Ohio State teammate who was like, I hated that guy at Ohio State. Everybody hated him. <laughs> Brian Hartline said he hated him. Like, how well, horrible Brian Hartline person. came back to, to trash Terrell Hartline, Pryor? Yeah, Hartline, like, just recently this week, I think he, he Did has, they like, even a— play there together? I think they played together at Ohio State and with the Browns. 
Oh, they, um, they the Browns, they they played together. Yeah, I was for sure with the Browns. Yeah, maybe maybe State, they though. missed by a year. I feel like Hartline was there. I mean, that was a while ago already that Terrell Pryor was at Ohio State. Um, yeah, I suppose. I just, like, it's it's kind of weird. All these people are just coming out of the woodwork to to trash Terrell Pryor. Like, not that I'm all that surprised. I mean, he was the number one recruit. I mean, he was a huge, huge recruit coming in, and I guess it would be easy to imagine him not being the easiest to deal with, but still. I hope we can get the audio on the soundboard for next year. Pac-Man Jones looking in the garbage for you in there, Pryor. bro. You in there? <laughs> that was that was incredible. That was that was pretty great. Uh, Kenneth Farrell didn't play well last week, but you don't say. Fifteen carries, you know, lost a fumble. Give him fifteen carries again against the Browns. If Belvin yeah. Gordon doesn't play, eighty yards and a TD seem within reach. Yeah. I I, th- I think there's a couple factors. One, Melvin Gordon's a part of the Chargers' plans for next year. Mm-hmm. You don't want to risk further injury. And two. It makes sense to give Kenneth Farrow a lot of touches to see if he's part of your plan as a backup for next year. Yeah, I don't think they're considering Ronnie Hillman for the future, so why even get Ronnie Hillman heavily involved outside of situations where you feel like it's pass protection? If we put Kenneth Farrow out there, Philip Rivers might get decapitated. Right. You want to avoid decapitations, so then Hillman plays passing downs. But I think Farrow can actually be a useful player this week against that porous Browns defense. Yeah, I like what you said there. You always, almost always want to avoid decapitations, especially this late in the season. I think the Chargers just kind of want to, they want to follow the blueprint that every other team has with the Browns, where it's like, all right, build a quick 14 nothing lead and then just manage the game the rest of the way. So I think, you know, we could see them put up a few uh, early touchdowns, throw the ball quite a bit in the first quarter, try to build that lead, uh, and then just, you basically run it out with Pharaoh. Packers seven point favorites against the Vikings, who after week five were the number one ranked team on Peter King's power rankings. Yep. And I, th- I thought they were real at the time. I thought the defense was good. I thought they were figuring some things out with Bradford that were going to work. I thought Stephon Diggs Boy, was emerging as an elite wrong. receiver. All sorts of problems going on. I like the Vikings getting the seven. I think seven I, seems high, right? It's a rivalry game. The Vikings still have slim playoff hopes too, right? If they win right. this week and next week, and then the Packers go ahead and you know if they would lose this week, if the Vikings win, but then go out and, and knock out Detroit, and Detroit loses this week, the Vikings still can have a, a path into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Mike Zimmer's defense has done a good job against Aaron Rodgers. I think the Xavier Rhodes uh, Jordy Nelson matchup creates some problems where the Packers have to rely more on Jared Cook and Randall Cobb. Cobb hasn't played well in recent weeks. Cook and banged up. Yeah. Cook's hard to rely on. He hasn't played well against the Bears, and he had the big game against the Eagles a few weeks ago. I think the Packers do win this game outright, but I think they have to sweat it out. I think they win it by mm-hmm. three instead of seven. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I, I could see this one being a little bit more low scoring, um, but at the same time, yeah, I, I do think Green Bay finds a way to win. I mean, Sam Bradford is leading the NFL in completion percentage still, so it's not like he's just gone in the tank. And what concerns me is that you know, obviously Bradford is not throwing the ball downfield or very rarely throwing the ball downfield, but you know, what killed the Packers in the second half last week was those, you know, short kind of dink and dunk, run after the catch type of plays. And and that's kind of when Minnesota throws the ball, that's what they're looking for. Uh and maybe part of that last week was Green Bay just kind of playing off and looking to prevent the big play against Chicago, you know, while leading in the second half. But um, you know, they they really didn't have a ton of resistance, I guess, you know, over the middle for Matt Barkley. So that's a little bit of a concern. The, the seven-point line does seem high. Um, you know, if it was four or five, I think I would be, feel a little more comfortable taking Green Bay. I just, I don't, I mean, there, there's an eight and six versus a seven-seven team. A seven just seems high. And the recent form for the Vikings has been Right, bad. and like the Vikings got smoked, you know, by, by the Colts, but so did the Packers. Yeah, 
that that happened. I really did. America's division kind of rearing its head. Yeah, the showing, Beating its chest. All right, well, let's talk. Uh, I don't, I don't want to do this to you, but we, we'll do it. Titans, Jags. Jags, Last five time point these dogs. Plays, yeah, five is, I mean, it's is in Jacksonville, but five is about 45 points too low. I mean, what, last time these teams played was on a Thursday night, color rush. Color must, rush. Must never rush forget. For the Jags, yeah, never forget. Um, and I believe the Jags were down, what, 27 to zero at one point in that game. Um, the, that the wild card here is they have a new coach. So, like, to me, that's worth that that's worth like a plus four for the Jags. So this line should really, like if Gus Bradley was still the coach, it'd be like Titans by nine. Hmm. Okay. Well, I'm thinking about it this way. Are the Jags a team that have the talent necessary to Dan Campbell it, right? Remember that week last, last season when Dan Campbell yeah. took over for, for Joe Philbin? Yeah. He was the best coach in the league for two weeks for, for, for one week, at least he, he was. And then things kind of went back to normal. The Jags have talent. I don't think anyone looks at that roster and says this this roster is the problem. They're they're more mm-hmm. talented than the Rams, the Bears, the <laughs> Niners, <laughs> wow, uh, the Jets. Uh, at, least, at least four teams have so they, they, talent. So they're like at worst the twenty sixth most talented league. Oh, they're more talented than the, the Browns. So okay. at worst the twenty seventh. <clears throat> yeah. No. I mean that's there's this roster is just teeming with talent. Um, I just don't know if there's going to be enough of a sample, you know, like, I don't think they are, they're eyeing Doug Marone as their next coach. It's just like, it's going to be tough with two weeks left in the season to really gauge, you know, if this team has shown improvement or if they respond to the coaching change. Yeah, Doug Marone seems like the guy that could actually emerge to keep the job though. I know they, I think they want Coughlin. They've, they've, they want Coughlin, but will they, will they get Coughlin? That's the, that's the real question is, is he gettable? It's kind of like a LeBron James story in a lot of ways. Like in this, you know, Coughlin obviously is LeBron. Couldn't quite get it done, you know, with when his first stint uh, with the Jags. Went to New York, won two titles, you know, and now, now he could be coming home. Yeah, so New York is Miami. So following that pattern, that would mean that the Jags are going to lose in the Super Bowl next year and then win the Super Bowl in two years. Who are they going to lose to? It, they would lose to the 49ers and then beat the 49ers. Okay. Perfectly sound logic. I have yeah, no I, no counter argument whatsoever. Uh, the disappointing season for Allen Robinson continues. If your choice is for your third receiver spot this week for a championship, or Allen Robinson going up against the Titans, or Robbie Anderson going up against the Patriots, is that a kicker? Yeah, exactly. You've, you've been you've been knocked out for a couple weeks. I know, but the the Jets receiver Bryce Petty's favorite target, maybe after Brandon Marshall, but. Yeah. I, I'd still play Allen Robinson. Look. Yeah, I mean, it's like we talked about on Monday. You you just kind of have to keep going back to that well. It's the same story with Todd Gurley. You know, it's like we every data point says you're better off chancing it with, you know, some mid-tier running back every week or some mid-tier receiver, uh, especially these last four weeks when talking about Allen Robinson. But you, you just, you know, the data that we have from last year says, like, he was the best deep ball receiver in the NFL, and it's just hard to – you just feel like every you know if you sit him out of your lineup, that's the week he's going to go off. And you can say that about a lot of fantasy players. I think the the better waiver type question is: if you picked up Cameron Meredith, would you play him over Allen Robinson? Hmm, that's a good question. I mean, Meredith has been so up and down. He's he's had weeks where he completely disappeared. Like was it against the Packers? I think back in what week nine or something like that, where everybody was all over him. He had had those two big games, and then I don't think he had a catch. He had one, one. Yeah, he had I mean, two it's, targets in three consecutive games after having 140 targets in back. I think, I think I would go Meredith. 
it's very, very close. All right, so let's move on to the Jets. Oh, I'm taking the Titans minus five, by the way. That should be implied at this point. Jets-Patriots. Jets getting 16 and a half on the road in New England, and yet I feel like the Patriots are going to smash them and win this game by 30. Am I crazy for thinking the Patriots minus 16 and a half are a good bet? No, not at all. I, I think the Patriots do a better job than anyone in the NFL and have for quite some time of taking advantage of bad quarterbacks, right? Like they will never lose to a team that is inexperienced or, you know, overmatched at that position. Like Bryce Petty has no chance going up against a, a team like this that is so, so good at preparing and, and targeting weaknesses. So the theory then would be that if you believe that much in the Patriots, whatever, the money line is going to be garbage. It'll be minus twelve hundred or something mm-hmm. terrible. We have to put a ton of money down to make anything. You should take every dollar you have and put it on the Patriots on the money line just to win straight up and get that little extra money back for at least putting it out yeah. there. You know, this, I don't this know. Is at that level where you'd, you'd you'd put the mortgage, you'd put every, you put the house, all your assets. On the Patriots, on the money line? Yeah, uh, my, my huge stockpile of assets and my many homes and many vehicles. Uh, no, I, don't, I mean, I guess if you want to play that strategy, are we, ad- I mean, are we advocating, like, gambling? Reckless gambling? No. I mean, it's, they're, they're just that good. They're 16.5-point favorites, and Bryce Petty is probably going to get mm-hmm. snapped in half this week because he probably already has, like, a partial crack running through his skeleton right now. Is- is the biggest threat to the Patriots in the AFC not going to make the playoffs, that being Denver? The team that's had their number, the team that seems to at least be able to control them offensively, maybe not beat them, but slow them down? I think, This Pittsburgh team, to me, is just not quite good enough. I think it's Pittsburgh, because I think Pittsburgh can get into the shootout with them and keep pace, and I think Oakland falls a little short yeah. in that regard. Oakland's that team where like you hear it in the NBA a lot, where it's like you need to get there and lose once or twice and learn how to win. You know, like they're, like, they're like the 2011 Thunder where like you could see him making a little run, but you just there's just it would be like shocking if this team went to the Super Bowl. I think. I think Oakland's good. I, I think am, they are. Good. I'm still not three. sold to them as a great team that knocks right. off Pittsburgh. Or you got to see him do the it. Playoffs. I mean, none of none of no one on this roster has playoff experience with the Raiders. Like this group, this core, you know, hasn't done anything yet. And not to take away from being an 11 and three team because they're you know they're objectively the second best team in the AFC, but. You know, it's just it's just hard right now to to really imagine them having a chance to knock off New England in a game that would probably be, you know, at New England. Yeah, I think the Patriots roll again, giving up the sixteen and a half in this case. Let's go to the Colts and the Raiders, part of the late afternoon games on Saturday. Remember, games mostly on Saturday this week, so something to enjoy yeah. uh, on your Christmas Eve. Raiders three and a half point favorites against a Colts team that still has a lot to play for, of course, and a Colts team that looked really good uh, in Minnesota last week. Who do you take in this one? This actually seems more like a pick to me than an actual game where the Colts should be favored by three and a half. I'm, I'm inclined to just take the Colts with the points. Yeah, I mean, I, which Colts team are we going to get, though? Like, we've seen the extremes, I guess, uh, on both ends for them. Then the biggest thing is they're just protecting Andrew Luck now. These last few weeks, he's, he really hasn't been touched nearly as much as he was through the first half of the season. I'm inclined to believe that the Colts are a little bit closer, you know, to this team. Maybe not blowing out a team like the Vikings, who are, you know, a middle-of-the-road team at this point. Um, but at the same time, you know, you look back a couple weeks ago, they lose to a bad Texans team that was still starting Brock Osweiler. So I, I still, you know, they're tough to trust. And this game is at Oakland. 
Um, I don't look at Oakland as a team that's going to get complacent after clinching last week. That doesn't really happen in the NFL, does it? No, I don't. I don't think so because there are still seeding implications right. that are important. I mean, you'd still like to get a first round bye if you're the Raiders. That that's a that's a big deal to have that to get that extra rest. So. Uh, I look at them as a team that certainly has everything to play for this this week and I would assume next week too, depending on how things break, uh, as a result of being the second-best team in the AFC. So I just think the Colts, going into the season especially, I thought the Colts and Raiders were similar teams, and I don't really know if what I've seen this year is enough for me to be convinced that anything has changed. Even though the records, I mean, the Raiders have four more wins, the, the X factor, of course, is Khalil Mack. I mean, for as much as the Colts might be figuring some things out in the offensive line, Khalil Mack's the kind of player that could just be in Andrew Luck's face all day. And if that happens, mm-hmm. that really changes the complexion of the game. So I am nervous about how the Colts can handle Khalil Mack. That said, I still think the Colts at three and a half make just a little bit more sense to me right now. Khalil Mack is the defensive player of the year, right? Has to be. No, I don't, no, no I J.J. Don't know Watt. Well, to yeah, push him. right. There's really no Watt. I mean, you could probably make a case for Von Miller, just yep. you know, partially on reputation, partially on just how well respected he is. Um, like the, I mean, the numbers are going to be there for Mac. I, I don't think it's really all that close. Who do you think is more important to the Raiders' success, Derek Carr or Khalil Mack? I think Derek Carr. And that's not a shot at Mack at all. It's just like the drop-off between Derek Carr and whoever you would probably replace him with seems like it would be bigger. Matt McGloin? Right. Right. That, I didn't want to say his name, but yeah, Matt McGloin. I just spitballing there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bucks saints first time around, very disappointing. Jameis Winston didn't throw a TD pass. Drew Brees didn't either. Over-under combined, six-and-a-half passing TDs for these two quarterbacks in this game. Take the under. All right, I'll, I'll make it more reasonable. I'll say over under five and a half passing TDs. I'll still go under. I think they maybe get to five. Like the Saints, both these teams just continue to disappoint in like these shootout type of games that look like they should be all over the board. And then in a game like going up against a pretty decent Arizona defense last week, then the Saints put up 49, not when they're up against Tampa Bay or when they're up against Atlanta. I think Tampa Bay does have underrated ability on the defensive side of the ball, but the Saints at home as we've seen time and time again, still a a very explosive offense. I know Mm -hmm. they laid that egg against the Lions, so they're not perfect. Vegas still has it as a 52-and-a-half over-under. Saints favored by three. Vegas tends to be pretty good at making lines. They do. I'm erring on the side of the Saints doing what they typically do, the Bucks having to keep pace, Mike Evans rebounding from a disappointing stretch, Jameis Winston playing a lot better. I would take, if I were enticed with with a good, good payout, I'd take the over on the six and a half passing TDs. I think you might get four and three or you know, five and two from those guys. I think it could be that kind of week uh, right. for these two teams. Do you think Mark Ingram is in danger of losing any carries after the, the outburst on the sidelines towards Sean Payton when Tim Hightower kept vulturing him on Sunday? I don't think so. I think you know you could see it. It's not like Peyton and he were in like a shouting match. It seemed like it was kind of one-sided, and it also seemed like Peyton was able to calm him down. And and there were comments earlier in the week where you know of course Ingram was asked about it at practice, and you know he took the high road and basically apologized and said he overreacted and said he respects Sean Peyton. So I think they're good. All right, good deal. Glad they buried the hatchet. Cards Seahawks. Uh, they played a six-six tie earlier this year, I believe. Is that right? Six-six. Nine nine. It was ugly. Is it six six? Oof. Let's that let's, sounds right. 
Let's go. Um, I kind of. I think I might have just purged that game from my memory. Did you just delete that one from your from your I very mindset? well made six to six? Yep. Yeah, I thought. I, I thought I saw that was. Oh yeah, that was the game. field goal game. Yeah, the field goal game. Yeah. Two missed field goals in overtime. Short ones, right? Russell Wilson and Carson Palmer combined for almost 600 yards passing, and neither of them threw a pick or a touchdown. Very strange game indeed. So I, I look at this one as uh, very unlikely to be as ugly as the first meeting. The Seahawks are the better team. But I, I like Arizona to keep it close, closer yeah. than 7.5. Carson Palmer has his faults, but Arizona, as you talked about earlier, they're the team that you – you don't want to quite bury. Mm-hmm. They're not going to the playoffs, obviously at five and eight, but they're not a team at five, eight, and one. I love how the covers website cuts off the tide to pretend like it never happened. It happened. They're not even getting to five hundred this year, and you look at them as a team that you don't you don't want to well, see them. To if me, you have like, something to play for, right? To me, if like if you're a team like Green Bay, Detroit, even you know Washington, who Tampa Bay, who needs to win, you know these last two games, I think to me like having to play the Falcons is like just as scary as having to play Arizona. Like Arizona, Arizona is, you know, there's a few teams above them. Like obviously you, you wouldn't want to play new England or probably Oakland, um, even the giants maybe. But to me, Arizona, despite being a five win team is right there. Like they, I don't, I don't want to play them as much as I don't want to play Seattle at this time in the year. The tricky thing too, though, for Seattle, and we know how important home field advantage is for them. You know, the Seahawks and the Falcons are still vying for, the number two seed potentially behind the Cowboys. So that's, right. that's kind of a big deal for the next couple of weeks as well. Uh, Arizona is simply playing spoiler. I think the Cardinals will actually embrace that role. Their defense got embarrassed last week at home. I like them to bounce back and at least play a close game. Even though I expect the Seahawks to win, I think it's by three or four as opposed to uh, seven and a half. I, think just, I, don't think they're, I don't think they're beating them by more than a TD. I love the half. If it were seven, you push it seven, I'd still take the Cardinals, mm-hmm. but I love that you're getting the extra hook on there. Niners-Rams, first meeting, the Monday night doubleheader, Chip Kelly winning his debut with the Niners convincingly 28 nothing. It was the only game all season in which – the Niners did not allow an opposing teams running back to get to 10 fantasy points. Todd Gurley held in check wow. in that what opener. A stat. Maybe a sign of things to come. Fozzie Whitaker, Fozzie Whitaker went off the following week for Carolina going up against that San Francisco defense. Navarro Bowman got hurt. Things spiraled out of control from there. So I know the, the community at large, the fantasy community, DFS players, they're all over Todd Gurley this week. Because, hey, everyone makes their layup against San Francisco. I realize Navarro Bowman not being there versus Navarro Bowman being out there makes a difference. But Todd Gurley was awful the first time he faced them. And there hasn't been a lot to get excited about with Gurley in recent weeks. No, for sure. When we get that media intern one of these days, we need priority number one is going to be finding out that Mel Kuyper, Todd, 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 Todd. Todd, Todd. So anytime we talk Gurley. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think this is, this has to be the week, right? If you've somehow survived the entire season with Todd Gurley, you know, as one of your starting running backs, someone you probably spent a top three pick on and you're still alive or whatever you're playing for, you can't really feel any better about this matchup than, or I I don't know. I think I'm phrasing this wrong. Basically, this is the best matchup that he'll have, you know, have had since week one. You couldn't, you couldn't be happier than you are right right now as a Todd Gurley owner. This is as good as it can possibly be. If he doesn't go off this week, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. His value for next year is going off against the Niners. I think his value for next year is already kind of 
set up regardless of what happens this week right. and next. The only thing he could do that would start making people reconsider what's happened to him throughout this year is if he had even like the best game yet that anyone's had against this crappy defense. Like if Todd Gurley comes out and runs for 270 yards. He's back. Which is possible. Yeah. The way people would view him for next year would change significantly, so even too. though San Francisco's defense is really bad. I mean, if he if he comes out and is, you know, carries 20 times for like 58 yards, then what? Like then is it is he Trent Richardson? Then more of that talk will pick up right. and then the Colts will trade a first rounder for him. Probably. I actually but the difference is with Gurley he at least had a stretch right. last year. I'd, Four I'd, consecutive 100-yard games. He was a better prospect than Richardson I, in the eyes of some. I mean, I think, I think so. I mean, Richardson went higher. Although if Gurley you know, wasn't coming off the injury, you could argue he would have gone. And if Richardson never happens, Gurley probably goes high. Like, I feel like Richardson's, Richardson's the cautionary tale. Richardson became a difference maker in the way that teams handle running yes. backs in the draft. He took the torch from Cedric Benson. He did. Ex-Packer Cedric Benson. Cedric Benson uh, is the kind of guy that you, you just hope you don't see him on a boat. When, when you're in the lake, you don't want him to be on a different boat driving the boat. Why? It's not good. Is he not a good does he have a history of boat-related issues? He does have some boating-related offenses, I believe. Huh. BUI uh, or what? Yeah. Interesting. BUI? Super extreme BUI? Well, that's, that's No, the, it actually is called BUI. I just looked, looked this up yesterday. I thought it was just a still driving, even no, though it's on the road. It's BUI. Yeah, Michael Floyd. I was that video, man. That's it's a bad situation. It's, it's like, a bad look for him. Get get some. But help. I don't. I also don't love the whole like, you know, like Belichick saying like, oh, we did. Well, we didn't know he blew above a point two zero. Like to me, drunk driving is drunk driving. It's right? bad, like, regardless. It's like well, if you well if you blew a point one eight, then it's somehow like not quite as oh, bad. Like it, you were drunk yeah. and you got behind the wheel of a car. Like the video thing, it kind of sucks for Floyd because like there's a lot of guys who have probably been in like the same situation. There just isn't like clear video of it right. that is published. Like. I don't know, I'm not trying to defend people who, you know, the DUI thing, but it's just the blood alcohol content to me doesn't matter. Like the fact, I will say as a caveat, if you're like just over the legal limit and, you know, you get pulled over and get a DUI, like that sucks because like, you know, like you, you, you know how you feel. And if you think you're good and like, you're really that close to being good, that, that really is you know a tough way to go out. But to me, if you're above a certain point, like it doesn't really matter. You're drunk. You're drunk. It shouldn't. It shouldn't. You shouldn't like have to defend a signing because he was under a certain BAC or over a certain BAC. It's hard to find any path to defend any DUI. I mean, the laws right. vary from state to state in terms of the legal limit can could fluctuate a bit. It's higher here in Wisconsin than it is in Arizona. Like, Arizona is one of the more stringent states, which yeah. I feel like that should just be the same everywhere, and it should be stringent everywhere for obvious reasons. The only thing I can think of is that you could drink some combination of alcohol where you have a, you have two beers and they're boozy double or triple beers. You don't realize it when you drink them, I guess. I I would know because I always know what I'm what I'm drinking. And oh, this is a nine point five percent wee heavy Scotch ale. It's actually two beers in one. Right. If I drink two of those, I'm not driving. That's four beers in like an hour. I'm not going to go do that. Right. It's it's obvious to me but it's not obvious to everyone so i guess maybe you could get into some trouble with some some higher abv stuff and and just not really yeah. realize i just it, think but. it's a mental thing like you know you uh, full disclosure i've drank alcohol before i think you have you as have? well and like you just know like you know there's a line you know like you just know if you should be drinking it's just so easy to get around without driving yourself you, like, yeah I, I that's mean, the other especially if you're an nfl player like teams have these like runners set up don't they 
Yeah, and if you don't want to use that, right. call yourself a, a Lyft, an Uber, a cab, a limo, whatever, whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, as far as the Saints and, and Bucks go, uh, I'm on the Saints minus three. I don't know if I clarified that so, before. So talking about that, yeah, just just closing the book on that. Cardinals plus seven and a half. I'm there. And this Niners Rams game. I'm not even going to give my picks. I don't think anybody's hinging on my picks. You've been you've been like not making picks for weeks now, right? And uh, Niners Rams. Todd Gurley's going to make his layup this week. I think the Rams are going to hold serve and get it done. I think I picked in my pick and pool. I think I picked the Niners just straight up. The Mannion factor could be there. Yeah, it could be Mannion instead of Goff. But does that oh, really why matter? Why would you do that? I don't. Know. I don't think it makes Goff hurt. Goff's hurt. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Duff. Bengals Texans over under forty two. It's a pick 'em. Who are you picking? There's no lines. So this this is this is ripe for you. I think Cincy. They've they've played well these last three weeks. Obviously, they blew a big lead against Pittsburgh last week. Uh, but they're they're a little feistier, a little bit feistier than I thought they would be. The Texans, you know, I mean, with Savage Life under center, I, I do like this offense a little more. But also, one half against the Jaguars is like the definition of a sample that you. It's really hard to take anything away from. He's in Matt Barkley range where right. some people are going to be excessively excited about him, and I'm going to need to see mm-hmm. several weeks of performance before I can get on board right. with him as anything more than just a, a good backup. But it's a seemingly better choice than Brock Osweiler. I, yeah. I, I, oh, I agree with what Bill O'Brien's doing, making the switch. I'm going to take Houston. they got something to play for since he doesn't. I mean, Houston's pretty solid across the board. To me, these two teams are actually even. Like they, mm-hmm. I mean, the, Vegas has it right. Like the Bengals, if they were in the AFC South, would be winning the division, right? Yes. Even with their injuries, I think they would. Yes, I think they would too. Ravens Steelers, part of the Sunday matchups. It's a four thirty. This is Eastern going on kickoff. right in the midst of Warriors Cavs. So, so you're not going to watch this? So I, yeah, this game does not exist. Yeah, well, yeah, LeBron's on, so mm-hmm. you, you got to give LeBron your full attention, I suppose. Uh, Ravens are five point dogs going into Pittsburgh. I mean, this this is essentially a division deciding game. If the Ravens can yeah. can win this one, it changes the look of, of things going into week 17. If they lose, the Steelers win the division. Yeah, and if Baltimore loses this, they probably don't make the playoffs. Sitting at sitting at 8 and 6 tied with Tennessee and Denver, um, a, you know, a Colts win or a, or a Buffalo win would then uh, you know, would tie them with Baltimore. So, yeah, I mean, this is not only for the division, but it's probably for a playoff spot, especially in the case of Baltimore already being a game behind Pittsburgh. Really tricky line. I'm going Steelers in this case, a team that I trust so much more at home. The yep. Ravens also have those strong home road splits. The Ravens, every year, they hang around. They push for 8-8, eight and 9-7. Eight, and seven, And i got to give John Harbaugh credit. I mean, Ravens I, are, I, The Ravens are good. I didn't think they would do this well this year, and they've exceeded expectations, but I think they fall in this one by a TD. I think Pittsburgh, Le'Veon Bell is going to just, even in a tough matchup, I think he can have a field day against anybody, and I think they're going to have a difficult time slowing down the Pittsburgh offense. Your Sunday night game, Broncos-Chiefs, over-under is 37-and-a-half. Warm but rainy conditions expected at Arrowhead. Three-and-a-half the Chiefs are favored by. What do you think? Is the first meeting kind of still fresh in your mind as one where the Chiefs looked like the more creative team offensively, the one that you feel a little better about as far as when they need to make a big play, they're likely to make yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, they were losing that game and probably should have lost it for, for most of it. I mean, at Denver, um, you know, kind of gave up some big plays near the end, and I, I don't know, I, was, I didn't come away, like, really impressed with the Chiefs at the time. 
Uh, but we've also seen them make similar type of plays and similar type of comebacks since then. So at some point it becomes more more than a trend, uh, I guess, and, and I think they're, they just have a knack for those type of plays. Um, but again, I mean, Denver was in control of that game at home. I believe, if I remember correctly, there was some sort of extra point, two-point conversion controversy in that one. Denver was up eight and you know could have put it away, I think, with a two-point conversion, and they ended up giving up a long touchdown and then giving up a two-point conversion and then losing in overtime after missing a field goal. Yeah, they should have gone for two and didn't because right. the Chiefs wouldn't have gone for two. They would have just kicked. It would have been tied. The Chiefs wouldn't have gone for two right. to go ahead after they, they scored think, that TD. No. So they, they screwed up. The I don't know. It's also like every situation. It's, it's a hindsight 2020, you know, that one might have had know, some though, But like you're, for, you're, you're still forcing the Chiefs to go for two and get it, which like if you have the Broncos defense, I think you feel pretty good about that. Yeah. I'd love to see what the book says I think a lot of people, Yeah. Yeah, right. I, I wish we were at a blackjack table. I would, I would, I would definitely ask. The, I, I want to ask a blackjack dealer. Like, so uh, the Broncos make a Yeah, the Broncos stayed on that. Probably should have hit. <laughs> That'd be great. I'll take the Chiefs giving up the three and a half. I think they're going to go ahead and, and knock out Denver. I think this will, this will be it for Denver if the Chiefs win. Should put Denver Crazy, out of the yeah. playoffs. Six straight years that either Denver or New England has been the one seed in the AFC. Probably going to be seven, but... Still crazy. Ugh, it's gonna be seven. It is gonna be seven. Lions, Cowboys. There's been a lot of concern this week that if the Eagles beat the Giants on Thursday, the Cowboys are gonna rest everybody. Jason Garrett's been in a situation like that before. He plays starters into the third quarter or into the fourth quarter rather. They need to play. They would have a first round bye, week seventeen and week sixteen off. They started mm-hmm. sitting now. That's not gonna happen. I don't think you have any concerns about the Cowboys for week sixteen. If your league plays into week seventeen, that's where you could see players start to rest if they have yeah. a, a minor injury that would ordinarily be something they could play through. Maybe Zeke's a guy that in week seventeen gets a seat because they want to run more Alfred Morris right. and, and Darren McFadden, but I wouldn't worry about week sixteen championship week if that's the case in right. many leagues. I would not worry about the Cowboys this week, even if the Eagles win tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Zeke's is the one guy you worry about next week, just because he's had you know he leads the NFL in carries. Uh, but I also think, barring you know a collapse this week and a huge week from Demarco Murray, like he's going to have the rushing title wrapped up. You know, that, I think that is something to consider. Um, and I think you know if he's ahead by two hundred yards going into Week Seventeen, maybe they limit him to seven or eight carries, something like that. You know, if you're a Packers fan, you obviously want Dallas to play at starters and beat Detroit. But at the same time, it doesn't really matter because if Detroit loses, and even if the Packers win this week over Minnesota, if Detroit beats the Packers next week, they still don't get the division. So, to me, like you know, I've, I've talked to a lot of Packers fans this week that are worried about that, and it's like it just really doesn't matter. Yeah, seems like it's all going to be fine since they they meet up next week as long as. Packers take care of business against the Vikings. Yep. Uh, I think the Lions will cover the seven. I mean, I think they're, they're going to be fine. They'll, they'll keep it closer than that. I, I don't. Dallas to me doesn't seem like a team that's going to blow anybody out. They'll win, no, they'll not win really. games it's convincingly weird because like, but, you watch them and they win convincingly, and you're like, you come away thinking like, wow, this team is really good. But yeah, you look at the scores; they're not. They don't have those kind of games like teams like Atlanta have had or New England have had, where they just dominate. You know, looking at the final score, but you still do feel like they control the game. Yeah, so I, I think they win outright, but I think the Lions within seven is yeah. very Lions reasonable. What uh, so? What else is on your mind here as we wrap things up? We got to go to Guadalajara today. Yeah, yeah, we we got our eyes on a free dinner uh, or free lunch. I guess we've been we've been hitting up this Mexican place every Thursday for what the last two ish years, two three years, yeah. And 
yeah, you know, they're very appreciative over there at Guadalajara. Uh, and I think we're going to get a free meal. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm heading home to Green Bay right after that. Whoa. Uh, yeah. So it's going to be a pretty, pretty big evening. Uh, actually, I'm going out to dinner in Green Bay. So I think I'm going to double up on lunch and dinner. So you're, you're dressed up for dinner. I see. Right. And I'm going out for dinner with a friend, and she has a gift card for this restaurant back home. So I think I'm going to go two for two, not free, paying whoa. for lunch or dinner. Wow, this is, this sounds like a big day for you. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty big day. All right, well, I hope everything goes well uh, with the dinner and, thanks, and such. I hope that's a nice experience. And uh, thanks for doing the Thursday pod again this year. As I mentioned Thank before, this is, our, this is our last one of the 2016 season. Tim and I are back on Friday uh, this week and then again next week for week 17. But only two episodes left this season, Nick. Yeah, I mean, we've come a long way. It's, it's crazy. I think we're going to be letting a lot of people down. All right. Well, good luck to those who are not listening to the Friday episode as you get ready for week 16. Tim and I are back with you tomorrow. Your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free, only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.